someone else's success does not mean that you aren't also successful and someone else's failure does not mean that you are better. Like you can either come alongside them and encourage them and help them, or you can celebrate them at the best moment of their life and build genuine relationships that way. Welcome to Invincible Teams, a podcast for team leaders and business owners who are tired of dealing with office drama and politics, high turnover, and teams not meeting their potential. We know that team leaders and business owners like you are pretty much always under pressure to get the most out of your teams. And we also know that most teams only operate at about 58% of their actual potential, and we've got the tools and training to make that number keep going up. We believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. Hey, thanks for joining us today on the Invincible Teams podcast. I'm excited to share with you guys today my interview with my friend Jackie Lester. Uh, Jackie is an artist in Little Rock, Arkansas, and she has some incredible insights to share uh, just about leadership and teamwork and how you can turn your uh, just kind of comparison of yourself, especially in the world of social media, to being able to encourage and empower others. And I think it's just a powerful thing, powerful insights and thoughts for any team, any team leader. So I'm excited to share with you guys this interview with my friend, Jackie Lester. All right, Jackie, welcome to the Invincible Teams podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. I am super excited to have you here. Um, it, it was really fun kind of talking with you before this about what you might want to talk about on the podcast. So I'm excited for people to uh, hear about all that. But before we get into that, uh, for those listening, why don't you introduce yourself, tell a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. I'd love to. I'm, I'm Jackie Lester. I am currently living in Little Rock with my husband um, and um, I'm from originally from Los Angeles, California. So it's always kind of the, how did you get to Arkansas story? Um, but I just out of college had a passion for nonprofits. And so that's how I ended up in Arkansas and you know how we met in that world. Um, but yeah, so I've been in Arkansas for five years. I was in HR and finance and on the side, I always love doing creative things. Um, I'm a painter. And so in the course of the last year, I just started um, developing more of my craft, as you could say. Um, and I just fell in love with not only being able to do art, but also the business side of it. Um, I love, because of my background in finance, I love um, the spreadsheets and I love the data and I love the analytics. And so um, a few months ago, I decided to leave HR and finance and just run my art business full time. So right now, what that looks like is I'm publishing books of my artwork. I'm selling my artwork online in an Etsy shop. Um, it's been really fun for the holidays. I'm doing some custom artwork, like family photos and pet prints, which is just, it's really fun seeing people's pets. I'm like, this is awesome. Um, so yeah, it's all really new. It's all really fresh, but I'm enjoying it. And I'm just learning a lot along the way. Yeah. Well, I I've been watching your stuff as you've been putting it out there and it's been really cool to watch. Um, but before we talk about that, I have to go back just a little bit because you mentioned a couple of things. One, uh, us meeting uh, in this nonprofit space, but also the fact that you're a painter. Um, and so I guess my question for you is, do you remember Dave that we work with? 
Um, how did Dave and I get roped into painting your office when you were the painter? I know. Isn't that incredible? I think it was one of those things where, you know, I just moved to town and I was trying to make friends and, you know, when you kind of act like you don't know how to do something so you can build a relationship, (laughs) I, I think, I think I was like, you know, if I let these guys help me paint my office, then maybe we can be friends. I think I was buying your friendship at that point. (laughs) Right, right. So now knowing all that, were you just (laughs) quietly sitting there thinking about how bad we were at painting? Was that what was happening? No, not at all. Not at all. I think I was thinking we definitely need to get more queso. We need to argue about more things. It was, (laughs) it was a blast. I remember thinking that they gave me the office that was the closet. But then it felt completely transformed by your paint. So it, it worked out. I forgot that was definitely a storage closet that you got. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. Welcome to HR. Um, Here's a closet. It was kind of, you know, it kind of was, um, I should have known <laughs> at that point. <laughs> I, I'm willing to bet you're not the first HR person that was ever shoved in a closet. I'm, I'm thinking no. that other people might resonate with that. Definitely. It's kind of nice because you can escape, you know, from the rest of the employees who need things. You can just go hide in the closet. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on a call. I can't, I can't, (laughs) I can't help you with your expenses. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Well, um, you know, you, you have struck out on your own, started your own business stuff here. And um, as you have done that, what have you found, like just with your own personality, how has your personality like naturally Mm -hmm. helped you do that? Um, And then maybe how has it made it more of a challenge sometimes? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that usually if you have a desire to go out and start something new, you know, entrepreneurial spirit that you might say, um, you you're going to do it. Like you just can't help yourself. And so, um, I think I was feeling attention for just several months, even years of there's something out there that I want to be doing. What is it? And, um, you know, HR and finance was not what I originally planned to go into. I had a communication degree. And so I knew from, I knew from very, a very young age that I just wanted to help people. I wanted to work with people. I wanted to serve people and I wanted to change the world. And I'm not saying that my art business is going to do that, but when you work for an organization, you are tied to their values and their vision and their goals, which is great. Um, but that's not going to line up hundred percent of the time. That's just, I mean, that's just not going to happen. But when you are running your own business, you get to determine what those goals are, what your values are, how you're going to spend your time. And so for me, that was more important than any type of organizational, um, rewards, you know, whether that's income, whether that's network, whatever those things are, it was more important for me to sacrifice those things to go out on my own so that I didn't have to question that anymore. I could be Jackie, do what a Jackie does, and we'll see what the result is. And so the other side of that, like you're saying, I guess the downside of that is I'm my own boss. So when I do something wrong, um, I can be really hard on myself. Or um, if I'm not seeing the results that other people are seeing, it can be really challenging at times to slow down and just realize, um, you know, all the results are going to look different for every single person. That's just how it works. And so you can't look at someone else's success or someone else's story and then say, well, my story should be that that's where I should be right now. Um, you just kind of have to be where you are and learn and grow and then be patient. (laughs) So, you know, as you're talking about that, like people seeing 
the results, seeing the things that come from what you're doing for you, how do you like, how do you tell the difference? How do you decide which is more important on like how you view the work that you do versus how people view the work that you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really challenging. I'm sure it's challenging in a business setting even. And for me as an artist, like it's my identity, like a piece of artwork. I'm like, if you don't like the art, you don't like me. So um, I'm sure more (laughs) creative people feel that way. Um, But I think, first of all, there's a few select people who know me, who I trust, whose opinion I value, and they're for me. So um, for example, if my husband looks at a piece of artwork and he says, you know, what about this direction or something like that? I know that he is helping me put my best work out into the world. Um, mm. that's a, that's my inner circle. There's a few people like that. Um, and then everyone else, it's like, it just doesn't matter. You, you aren't going to make everyone happy. Um, you're not going to create something that everyone's going to enjoy. And so I just ask myself every day, like, is what I'm doing bringing me joy? And, mm. um, and ultimately, you know, is it bringing God joy? And so those are the things that for me is worth it to keep on going forward. If no one else likes my artwork, at least those things are happening. And so I can move forward. Yeah. So you kind of touched on it a little bit here, but what role would you say like different teams or support systems or, you know, the people around you, what role have they played on your journey to get to where you are now? Uh, Cause I know you've been in a few different organizations and different teams mm-hmm. and now, um, kind of solo, but also I know you still have people around you. So, so talk about that. What role have those people played? Yeah, I think, um, the most effective leaders in my life, when I look back, um, over the course of my life have been people who have, um, you know, you just have a conversation with someone and there's something that they see in you that you didn't see and they call it out. And whether that is celebrating something that you've done or just looking at you and saying, has anyone ever told you that you are the best at, you know, whatever that mm. thing is. Um, and that's something that I've noticed that I enjoy calling on in others. Like I love um, recruiting others. I love making people realize that they have talents that maybe they didn't see before. Um, but yeah, when I look back at team settings, I think the healthiest teams I was a part of um, had opportunities to encourage each other, um, to celebrate each other and to, again, single out things that um, were like opportunities that, Hey, you're really good at this. You should, you should do that more. You should run with that. Um, And in a lot of my teams, I was the only woman. I was significantly younger than the rest of the team. And so to be fresh out of college, I mean, I'm only five years out of college. So in my five years of finance to have older people and um, experienced business people say, I see this in you. You should do this more. Own this, take initiative, run with it Um, was so empowering. And so I think that really makes a healthy team is when you can empower each other and call those things out. Yeah. Well, and that's so opposite from a lot of like corporate culture where (laughs) the call out is typically used when you screw up, right. Whenever something, you know, a ball got dropped or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, and so that call out of the good things, um, man, I I think that's powerful. And I think that a lot of people would just love to find themselves in a situation like that. Right. Um, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think um, that takes, I think it takes humility as a leader to be able to call someone else out for being good at something. And so, um, organizations that have that kind of structure and um, where the leader is um, 
willing to not be the best in the room at something means that an organization can grow. Mm, I love that. That's super good. So, uh, you know, you are a bit of a, a rare breed uh, with, uh, I know we've talked Enneagram stuff before and you, uh, you identify as an Enneagram type four, right? Which for those uh, who don't know, why, why don't you give just a brief explanation of what that means? Sure. So um, the four, I've heard it called different things. They all have like kind of nicknames. Um, and the four sure. is usually the individualist. Sure. <laughs> um, mm. I like to think of it as the unique one or kind of the mm. out there one, the oddball one. Um, <laughs> it's the rarest type, right? That's correct, right? Um, it's the ones there's, that there's I less uh, encounter the least. Yeah. But that could be because I think they're also yeah. the ones who tend to hate the Enneagram the most. So they just don't come around very <laughs> often. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's definitely that stereotype. Like they don't want to be put in a box. They don't want to be told their identity. Um, but yeah, so I guess a type four um, is someone who at the end of the day, what they value the most is um, having a legacy. And so um, there's another type that's similar to a type three. They want... Um, I guess they want like success, like um, they want to achieve. And so a type four is similar. They want to produce good things. They want to, um, like I said earlier, they want to change the world. Um, But ultimately it's because they want to matter personally. So it's not necessarily that they want to make the most or be the most successful, but they want their life to matter. Um, And so that usually looks like um, being really emotional and in complete despair when they look around the world and it hasn't been changed (laughs) and there's still um, horrible things happening in the world and there isn't world peace yet. And then it also looks a lot like, you know, writing a song about something that no one cares about and then trying to sell it. So I don't know, (laughs) or just kind of struggle with that in general, but um, yeah, it's been good to learn about um, the Enneagram for me because I realized why there were so many, um, I guess quirks of like being in a business setting. Like I wanted Mm. to, um, you know, I wanted to value what I valued and I wanted to um, work somewhere that had policies that I cared about. And so ultimately I just wrote my own and that seemed to work. Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, I, a lot of times say that fours tend to paint with more colors than the rest of us. Uh, (laughs) It's just like this unique way of seeing the world that, you know, cause there are, there are animals out there who their eyes literally see more colors than humans. Hmm. And, um, you know, as humans, we can't even fathom what that kind of a world would be like. Right. It's if yeah. I right now tell somebody to imagine a new color that no one's ever seen, <laughs> like, you know, our brains like start to malfunction. Um, yeah. I think that's a, a lot what it's like for people who are Enneagram fours, versus everybody else mm-hmm. is like the world is so much different and so much deeper and, and raw and, you know, then, then some of yeah. the rest of us comprehend. And so yeah. um, fours are, are very are experiential. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. like how and, do you and idealistic this? too, mm-hmm. which is interesting because we're also very critical. So a lot yeah. of the times in a team setting, when I think about when I was in office culture, um, you know, I was, you know, a lot of times the person in the meeting who said, you know, but I don't think this will work because of this. And no one likes that person, but if that person doesn't <laughs> oh, trust speak me, I know up, I'm that person too. <laughs> yes. 
advice, but I'm like, I don't want you wasting your time or my time on this thing that is not going to work. So let me tell you every reason why it's not going to happen. Um, and you know, we, so that's why I need people in my life. When you were asking me earlier about, you know, who, um, now that I'm working on my own, who do I have in my system, like supporting me? And that's really important to have people who are saying, you know, it might actually work. You know, it's not, everything mm. fails. Not, not everything ends in complete despair. Like you can have hope and you can, you know, take the leap of faith and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So, um, what ways would you say that you are the stereotypical for, and what ways are you not the stereotype at all? So I, um, definitely have big feelings, which is, you know, very, very common of fours. I um, like being unique. Um, so I guess that was also a way I'm not like the typical fours, like fours, a lot of times have to like have clothes that are made out of materials that can only be found <laughs> on other planets. And you're like, Oh, this isn't a sweater. You can find at target. It has to be from Timbuktu or whatever. So I'm not that way at all. Um, so yeah, no, but I do like being unique. I like being the exception to things that's common. Um, and then really like at the core of, you know, every Enneagram number has a core fear or just something that um, really gets them. And mine is jealousy, um, just struggling mm. with comparison, because at the end of the day, if I want to matter, comparison makes me struggle with mattering because I look at everyone else mm. around me and I'm like, how could I matter if this person matters? And so um, that's definitely something I've noticed a lot. And then, yeah, the ways I'm not like a four uh, again, it's, there's just such a range and, um, and it's interesting. I don't know. You might know more about this, but with, um, like if a four is a wing five or a wing three, um, mm -hmm. like I, I have a lot of three tendencies because I like to work hard. I like to achieve. Um, but I'm also a lot like a five, they, um, just deep thinker. Um, but I've heard that reaching from like a four to a five is like, a really dark place to go. Like, it's just like an abyss. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know where I've heard that, but just like, there's this struggle to reach across the circle. Um, so anyway, I've always found that interesting and yeah. I think it explains a lot. <laughs> it does. I mean, it's just a, it's a rare thing. It's, um, you know, as rare as fours might be the four with the five wing is also a rare breed just because the fours, like you said, have this incredible emotional range and fives are usually, you know, a lot more cerebral, a lot less emotionally, at least outward. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's this kind of conflict, but honestly, fours are going to be conflicted either way that they go because four that yeah. has a three wing. Um, you know, one of the things that I'll say about a four is they're, uh, they're usually like walking BS detectors, right. And uh, <laughs> yeah. just know when someone is being fake, but threes specialize in playing a lot of different roles and wearing a lot of different masks. And so, mm -hmm. so the, the four with a three wing or the three with a four wing, a lot of times is very conflicted calling themselves out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, either way the the four is, it's going to be deep one way or another. That's for yeah. sure. So. Yeah. I'd say this, you know, that you're a four if, um, like I thought I was a one for a while because I like seeing good in the world and I like doing things right. And then I thought I was a two for a while because I like serving people and I like feeling loved. And then I thought I was a three for a while because I was like, you know, I really do like to achieve. And then I read about fours and you just know, because you don't want to be one. Like you just read it and you're like, 
oh no, that's me. I wish I could be one of these other numbers. And then you realize you're comparing and you're jealous of the other numbers. And so then, you know, you're a four. That's just, ah, that's just I how I landed. I mm-hmm. Well, so you've brought this up a couple of times now, this just whole comparison. And I know when we were talking about doing this podcast, that was one of the things that you really wanted to talk about uh, specifically when it comes to things like social media. So So why is comparison and social media, why is that such an important topic for you? Sure. Um, So I think it's an important topic for me personally, because I think about how much healthier I am as an individual when I realized just this concept. But then even zooming out from that, I think culturally, it's a big, it's a big deal. So I'll start narrow and zoom out if that's okay. But um, so I think on a personal level, I think we all struggle with comparison to some degree, you know, we're probably the most inundated generation with social media, just seeing what's happening in the world, um, just being aware of what everyone's doing all the time. And I think when you compare yourself to someone, you almost have two trenches you can go into. You can either say, I'm not that person. I wish I was, I wish I was enough. How could I get there? What do I need to do to get there? And it's this like climbing hungry how do I get there issue? And then on the other side, you can say, I'm glad I'm not that person. At least I'm not mm-hmm. them. At least I'm mm-hmm. better because of my situation. <laughs> so yeah. both of those are really unhealthy places to land. Not great. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. And, um, and I think when that happens on a team, like for example, if someone on your team, um, is underperforming, you can compare yourself to them and say, at least I'm not them, at least I'm doing better than them. And so you don't even have really your own personal goals that are based on what you have going on. Um, or you can just think that you aren't as good as everyone else on your team. And so you underperform because um, you just don't think you have what it takes. And so I've, I've read a decent amount about just how to kill this. Like, how do you kill comparison? And I think um, on a personal level, something that I've been practicing this year, 2020, um, which was such good timing that this happened. Um, but just practicing, (laughs) um, personal and, um, community celebration. So on a personal level, that looks like celebrating everything, celebrating Mm. process, celebrating failure, celebrating meeting a goal, celebrating, taking one step towards a goal, just celebrating and recognizing it's almost like creating contentment, like celebrating that we are in process and this is where we are. And then celebrating others, like celebrate everyone else's wins, um, celebrate them genuinely. Um, and that can be really challenging, but genuinely celebrate others. And the more that you do that, the more that, um, instead of viewing their life as something to compete against, instead, you're more excited for them. And, um, and it just takes away any sting that it could, you know, affect you with. It's like someone else's success does not mean that you aren't also successful and someone else's failure does not mean that you are better. Like you can either come alongside them and encourage them and help them, or you can celebrate them at the best moment of their life and build genuine relationships that way. So that's been kind of one way that I've been fighting that. So, I mean, you're not off of social media because I see stuff that you post. Um, So (laughs) how do you stay in that world, but not Mm -hmm. fall prey to that comparison trap that you're talking about. Sure. I think it takes, again, having people in your life told you accountable, um, a good support system. 
Um, and then just figuring out for you, being honest with yourself of what your boundaries need to be. You know, we're all at home to some degree right now. Um, and so maybe you have less distraction than before um, in your work environment or your personal life. And so for me, I have new boundaries that at certain times of day, my phone automatically turns off all those apps. Um, mm. And so if, you know, I don't need 10 hours on social media every day, I need five minutes to post and update. And then if someone's messaged me or checked in with me, then I can follow up, but I don't need constant. Um, and then also evaluating which ones are healthy for you. So some social media is more um, like Pinterest for me is more like inspirational. It's fun. I don't need to limit that time. Instagram, I'm seeing people's life all the time. So I'm actually not on Instagram. Um, I okay. have, I post all my photos and all my captions and everything to someone else and they post for me all week long. And then if someone messages me, I get a notification. So I oh, just cool. decided for me for this season, like that's a boundary I need. That might not last forever, but it was just something that for right now I didn't need. So you just have to be strategic and figure out creative ways to make your business still happen and still be present, but not be completely consumed by what you're seeing. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. I like that. And I, I respect the the discipline that has to go into that, right? Um, especially yeah. when it's so easily accessible. I mean, you have it in mm -hmm. the palm of your hand almost all day, every day. And so um, to be able to put some sort of a barrier, some sort of a, um, limit or, or you know, whatever self-imposed mm -hmm. thing. Um, that's not necessarily easy, right? Uh, no. I and I'd would say, say it's worth it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally worth it. And it's almost alarming when I turn it off on my phone for a day or two, or, you know, for some period of time in a day and I pick up my phone because I'm going to look at it. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize, but, you know, we're probably more addicted than we think. And so oh, yeah. um, it's even a good little test of like, okay, can I go 30 minutes without this app? And then when you, and then count how many times you check it. It's kind of, like I said, it's kind of alarming. And so that was yeah. enough for me to realize that discipline was worth it and I can shut it down. There's uh, just last night, uh, my wife and I, we watched something on Netflix that uh, I, I wasn't even thinking about it you know, for this conversation today, but it fits perfectly. Um, and I recommend it. It's uh, a documentary called social animals, I think is what it's called. Have you seen that? No. Um, but I've seen ads for it and I'm really curious about their take it, and just, yeah. How do you, yeah. how do you still maintain it's worth watching? Yeah. It's worth yeah. watching for sure. They follow these three kids and just kind of tell their story of social media engagement. And, um, and it's, I mean, it's not a feel good story, um, but, but there's some really insightful things about it. And um, I, it, it was just really, really interesting. I enjoyed watching it. And so, yeah, definitely recommend checking that out. Um, but, you know, one of the things that you mentioned when we were emailing back and forth about this was using social media to build your team, right? So what do you mean by that? Uh, talk to me about that. Sure. So um, one thing that um, was brought to my attention was um, that as a four, because you're constantly comparing and because you're constantly sizing everyone up, you are actually in a really good position to know what other people are good at. So mm. we're generally, you know, if we're on a team of 10 people, we know what everyone in the room is better than us at. Like, that's just something that's just something, you know, right off the bat. And so, you know, that puts you in a dangerous spot if you aren't healthy because you're going to compare and you're going to really struggle. But if you are in a healthy position, 
you can say this person is great at this. And like I was saying earlier, you can call them out. You can celebrate that. You can empower them. You can give them tools to grow. Um, and then, you know, if, if you look at, well, I'd say two things. If you look around the room and you don't think the people are as talented as you, then you probably don't know them well enough. You probably haven't found those things that they bring to the table and you probably need to do some um, deeper connection time with them. Um, but I'd also say if you're looking around the table and you're like, for our business to get here, we need someone who's good at this. If you're on social media and you're celebrating other people, even competitors, if you're celebrating people who are in your network that don't work for you, how much more likely are you to work for someone who's been celebrating you all along in your personal career than someone who has no idea who you are. I think, I don't know, I'll say this again. I think our generation and the generations coming up care way more about an organization that sees us, that knows us, that values us, that empowers us. And so if, you know, if some random corporation is constantly liking my things and, and there's obviously, you know, you need to be genuine about it, but if they're celebrating me, I, and then they, you know, start coming around recruiting, I would be way more excited about working for them than someone who's been, you know, slamming, I don't know, the other corporations in their network. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I I love, no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I just say, I think that having a corporate culture of celebration internally um, makes teams better. And then that's shown externally during recruiting because um, people are more likely to want to work there. Yeah, no, that's super good. I love that. Um, and, and one of the things you said was how important it is like for, for people to really see the people around them. Right. Um, and so why do you think that's so important for a leader to really see, to like really see, you know, the people around them? I think that we're all hungry for connection. And I mean, this year proves it. I mean, how isolating it has been and how you know, mental health, you know, all those things. It's been really challenging because we aren't being seen. We aren't being known. And we're made for that. You know, we're made for connection. We're made um, to grow around others. And so I think if you have a boss who isn't interested in knowing you and seeing you, then they don't know what you bring to the table. And like you said, if all they're doing is calling out all the times that you failed or dropped the ball, it's like, you know, I don't think that's somewhere I could work for very long. And I'd say, again, our generation and the one coming up are way more likely to leave a situation. Like I think about, you know, our parents and our grandparents who worked at the same places for 40, 50 years. And that's just Mm -hmm. not, that's just not how this culture is rolling anymore. It's like, if you don't Mm -hmm. see me and you don't know me, I'm going to go somewhere else where we'll be seen and known and I'm going to make less money, but at least I'm going to be happy about it. So I just think there's a real danger in not taking care of your people. Well, on the flip side of that, if they don't leave, if they don't find a different job, what are the odds that they're actually going to be doing their best work when they're unhappy in the job? Right? Like either way. Yeah. You're and not while they're working remote, like they're for sure just, yeah. If now they're all remote workers, it's like, are you, can you trust them? <laughs> are they getting their work done? Do they enjoy their work? Um, and this is also something like a practice that um, goes back to, you know, how do you set boundaries, but how do you use social media? And something that just has always come back to me is just the concept that you need to um, produce something or create something before you consume things. And Mm. so just the idea, I mean, that's really relevant to me as an artist, but I think that goes across the board in any organization. Like the person who 
isn't being seen, isn't being known, but is still somewhere working is not creating anything new. Like they aren't innovating. They aren't doing things with excellence because they don't feel valued. Um, Hmm. But someone on a team who is creating, innovating, um, probably has some healthy boundaries about what they're consuming. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, after all the different teams that you have been a part of, what do you wish that you knew about teamwork like 10 years ago? I wish I knew kind of what I just shared that everyone at the table um, has something to bring. And if they aren't offering it, there's they need to be drawn out. Like I just wish that I had tried harder to draw out some of my quieter coworkers or people who um, maybe just did their work kind of with their head down. And um, I just wish that I'd fought to know them better and to see their unique gifts because I don't know, I find a lot of joy in encouraging others. And Hmm. when I find out that thing, it's just like, it's something in me that I like can't help, but be like, so what's your next step? So what are you going to do about it? And, um, Mm -hmm. And I've seen that happen more recently and I'm seeing people taking big steps and it's so exciting. And so I just wish I had done that earlier and maybe I just felt like too young or I didn't want to bother them, you know? Um, but I just wish I had taken more risks to know my team better. Mm -hmm. And, um, because a lot of times I did see what they were good at, but I didn't feel like I was in a place where I was allowed to tell them. And I'm like, who doesn't want to receive that information? Like, (laughs) who would be offended by someone telling them, like, you're the best printer fixer in the office? I don't know. I don't know how (laughs) I thought that could offend someone, but I did. And so, yes, worrying less about offending people and worrying more about empowering them. Definitely. Mm, That's so good. So good. Well, so um, last thoughts here as we kind of wrap up. Anything else that uh, you want to share? Yeah. I guess I just want to share that we are all, um, you know, we're all experiencing a very unique time in history. Um, and you know, it can be really overwhelming. And I think we're all asking ourselves a lot of questions, like what do we value? What's important. And a lot of our values are being held, you know, um, under debate or, you know, under pressure. And so, um, just an encouragement to that. You're not alone as you're processing that, that we're all feeling that in different ways and, um, that again, just ways that you can help, help set healthy boundaries, um, for comparison, for social media, for all those things, you know, use it until it doesn't help you anymore and then choose something that is healthier for you. Um, and that will help you, that'll help your team. Um, and yeah, and if you have a crazy dream, you should do it because it's 2020 and everything is crazy. So if you want to quit your job and be an artist, I say go for it. I'll be here for you. And I have a little artist community and we will be artist friends and it'll be awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love that. And I I can't get out of here without um, having you tell a little bit about where people can find your stuff. Like what's something that you're working on right now that you can tell people about and how can people interact with your stuff that you got, uh, that you're selling, that you're showing off, whatever it is. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, so most of my stuff you can find on Instagram, of course, um, (laughs) ironically enough. So, um, you can go to Jackie Lester design or Jackie Lester design.com if you want to shop everything. Um, but I was telling, like I was telling you earlier, I've been in major advent mode. So if you need some holiday inspiration or just something to cheer you up, um, check out my website and I'm doing all kinds of things to celebrate advent. I had a new coffee table of book of artwork come out and I'm doing little craft videos and just everything to make this time of year feel a little bit more jolly than 
you know, the rest of 2020. So I would love to have you join me there and connect with me. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll put that uh, in the show notes so people can click to that stuff easy. Um, but man, Jackie, thanks for being on here today. I think it was awesome to hear just a different perspective on, on things. And even from a little bit different, uh, experience point, you know, being kind of a solo, uh, you know, act, but also not and love the insights. And so, yeah, just appreciate you taking the time. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. I loved it. Thanks for listening today to the Invincible Teams podcast. We'd like to challenge you now to go share this episode with a team leader or business owner you know that might like it. And just like every podcast, we appreciate all the subscribes, likes, shares, reviews, and five-star ratings you can give us. And like we always say, we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. See you next time.